Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach and Adam. Welcome to another day in paradise. Bum, 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 bum. That's a sad song. I mean, it's great. I like Phil Collins, but man, that's a, that's a depressing one. Don't even know what you're talking about right now. You've... <laughs> Don't even don't you? even know. Don't even know what you're talking about. Peter Gabriel was the better member of Genesis, so I, I'm lost. I'm just gonna ignore that you said that. Um Hey, so hey, now... hey, hey Adam, 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 do you know what? Do you know what? What? He he, he can feel it coming in the air tonight. Yeah. Boom 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 boom. Oh man. That is a podcast I'd love to do, a Phil Collins podcast. Like, Don't even start... care about Genesis at all if I'm being realistic. No, no. Is Go with his solo work and then like work up to the fact that he is like, uh, a really like intense Civil War history buff. Okay. Uh, that that would be, that'd be a fun little, little quest to go. I wonder if there's something... Anyway... We're talking about Joe Mad this week, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, that that's very related to everything we're talking about. Joe Madiera is the uh, is the creator that we are going to be talking about today in honor of the uh, re-release of the remake of Final Fantasy VII, uh, now available on your PS fives, fours, whatever. I don't have one. Yeah, wasn't there some Battle Chasers thing that was eventually going to come out too? Did I? Oh, who knows. I don't know. I thought I read somewhere that they were going to finish that, or I, I don't know. Joe Mad, Joe Mad, if you're listening, I really, really, really hope you enjoy, uh, you know, using Avalanche to take down the Shinra Corporation. Uh, you can do some cool flips with your Materia. Uh, <laughs> probably, I guess at that See, this I don't know, because it's pretty much just, like, the first chunk of the game before you get to the overworld map. Uh, which is mm-hmm. not a lot of story if we're being real, real. Uh, and, <sighs> like, you can't even summon all of the good summons at that point. So what's the what's the point? Also, you don't get Sid or Yuffie. Or Vincent Valentine, the gambit of the, uh, of the Final Fantasy VII team. So who cares? I mean, the gag here is that, what, Joe Mad uh, played a lot of video games and didn't have enough time to, like, Joe, keep drawing them? Keep yeah, drawing yeah, comics? Yeah, Joe, Joe Mad Joe Mad's had to stop. Joe Mad was late on so many comics and essentially lost his career because he kept playing video games so much. And then he just drew a bunch of stuff for the PSX PlayStation magazine, which may have been a better long-term career choice. That's fine. That That is fine. And, uh... We're we're gonna touch upon a couple different uh, like little little places in his career here, which I think are pretty cool. So, where does this first request come from? This first request comes from Patreon supporter Chris Palmer. Chris went over to Patreon.com/slash Xavier Files, and he said, "Y'all, you're great. I want some of that sweet ASMR content. Like you hear that, Adam? <laughs> you hear Ooh, that what sweet are you ASMR tonight? content? That's that's a margarita uh, oh. using." 
using some of James Buffett's own Margaritaville uh, tequila. <laughs> I, I did. I hear that you um, set up uh, Margaritaville as your anthem on Animal Crossing. Did I? Yes. Did anytime I, I do anything to uh, anyone in Animal Crossing, it goes da 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 da. that's great yeah it's very Uh, good there's a margarita on our town flag too uh y'all check out my switch code if you want to go visit my island called margarita i bet chris palmer does uh because chris said guys you know what goes great with margarita real strong and energetic anime style art from the 90s much like you'd find in uncanny x-men 326 the nature of evil the nature of evil or as the cover refers to it evil natures uh this is uh really kind of peak original joe mad here right i mean this is kind of like post phalanx covenant we've got Sabretooth living in the danger room gambit is really dropping a lot of hints that he's not a good guy and uh, we get a conflict between the two of those characters in this issue. We do. Uh, you know, Scotty Lobbs, he, he writes this one. Uh, and this is this is post-Age of Apocalypse. This is post-Wolverine schnickting Sabretooth's brain, so he went to a more feral state. Uh, and Remy's not happy with Sabretooth. Uh, <laughs> Remy doesn't like that at no. all. As we will later find out, Remy was involved in the Mutant Massacre and has just gotten done with, like, Rogue essentially super dumping him because she knows about all the bad things he did, but not everybody does. And she doesn't really know what, she just knows it was super bad. Yeah, I was going to say, she's still, we're not going to find out really what happened till like 25 issues after this. Um, but at this point we know Gambit did a super bad and, um, Gambit did a bad. Know, he, did, he did a bad and, uh, Sabretooth, you know, obviously was part of that. And he, he just wants to kick some, kick some Sabretooth around and good thing that Sabretooth is hanging out in the danger room. Cause that's what he's going to do. And he's going to do it, not just physically, but on the deeper level, he's going to do it emotionally uh, by making Sabretooth relive all of these murders, including of Birdie, including of that one nice priest from X-Men Unlimited number three, just a bunch of murders and making this nice, calmer Sabretooth who's more like a dog than a human uh, relive all these and be like, you suck, Sabretooth. You really do suck. And then Storm says, <laughs> Gambit, come on, man. That's like, that's crappy. Don't do that. Right. You're doing villain stuff. Why are you doing villain stuff? And, uh, you know, it is kind of an interesting scene because at the end of it, we, you know, there's this repeating loop of the X-Men Unlimited scene where Sabretooth says, oops. And once everybody leaves the danger room, Sabretooth is sitting in his cage and, and he says, oops. And you don't know, like, is Sabretooth coming back to his senses? Did this, he is. this didn't help anything it it probably hurt the situation much more than it did any good yeah gambit did a bad guys in several ways both ethically and just in you know strategy uh so yeah um the the competing ethical quandary here is oh yes um, (laughs) uh beast is addressing the the world medical community um 
about the legacy virus and professor X is going to his, his plot is to really diminish beasts research publicly to say that it's no big deal. And let me tell you people, uh, reading this particular issue with this particular scenario of it's Professor Corona X's... times, people in the future. It's Corona times, real <laughs> deep right now. We're living it, with the Rota was... right now, so this is not great. No, it, it was it was a, a lot to read this uh, this little denial here, this little public denial. It actively makes me angry. Uh, I don't yeah. like this one. I don't like. I don't like reading the X Men plotting to misinform the scientific community uh, f- and public well-being for their own selfish benefit. Uh, right now, that's a little too close to home. Very on the nose. And uh, not what, what <laughs> I was expecting. I had forgotten about this particular uh, Totally subplot. forgot about this one. Yeah. yeah. Chalk, chalk this one up on both, both Beast and Xavier's list of crappy things they did yeah yeah and this leads to a conversation between beast and professor x about you know what his goals are with Sabretooth, and whether that's sort of noble or whether you know Sabretooth is just a criminal who needs to be put away um you know it's it's fine lovedell likes to get on these sort of like um you know, moral conversation things every once in a while. And it works, I guess. But the the part about the legacy virus is like, what? Okay. Yeah, that one's, that's that's rough to read nowadays. Luckily, nowadays, we just decided to put Sabretooth in a hole. We said, you yeah. go here now. This right. is where you live. <laughs> uh, you live in an exile pit. Um, so since... You know, we're doing a Joe Mad episode. Uh, what do you What do you think of Joe Mad's artwork? Joe Mad draws some chunky boys. <laughs> His beast has like shoulders as broad as a tr- a Mack truck. It's pretty wild. Everyone's huge. Everyone's mm-hmm. ginormous. Professor X is jacked. Just everyone's big. And I'm here's the thing. I'm not a huge Joe Mad guy. Like I understand that he was very popular, and I can get the appeal but also Mm -hmm. he's not he's not for me okay okay it's a little too angular a little stylized in a way that i don't like which is odd because there's guys that are definitely you know influenced by or by the same influence as as joe mad like umberto romos that i really do like uh but there's a little bit something different in that versus the like sleeker, shinier Joe Mad art that I don't know just it's doesn't. It, yeah. Okay. I mean, Joe Mad wasn't an artist that I was particularly into, like reading these as they came out. But like in retrospect, I really like his stuff, um, and I can see a direct line between uh, like what he's doing here, and then kind of the influence that this has on where like Chris Bachalo uh, goes with his mm-hmm. stuff. Um, you know, he's definitely made a mark because there's so many other artists that, that used these, um, this, this template of how to draw the characters in, in the future. So, um, I like it quite a bit. It's very weird for me going from like the image guys and the Cuberts and, Mm -hmm. you know, JRJR and people of that nature and then jumping into Joe Mad. 
it's yeah. I don't see the direct stylistic lines. Like I I see those as guys who have like similar origins, but then broke off pretty pretty early stylistically and evolved in such different directions that it just doesn't hit for me. I get the appeal. I can see how this would be kinetic and energetic and what you want in an action comic. But Joe Mad just doesn't land for me the way that, you know, some other artists, even like like a Chris Batchelow or someone who you're exactly right. They have a lot of the same stylistic influences. They are very similar artists. Mm-hmm. But one hits a but, lot but closer Joe Mad has than a- the other. Yeah, Joe Matt has a tendency to be much more cartoony, which mm-hmm. you're right is a huge jump from like where JRJR was right before this, um, you know, around the 300 era. So um, it's a it's an interesting shift, but I think it also is cool because it's happening. The animated series is still around, mm-hmm. and it, it it fits, I think, what people wanted out of the book. Um, this issue in particular, it's not like super interesting. So, uh, why don't we plot it on our big giant list of how many stories we have now? 351. Whoa. It's so many. <laughs> we have so oh many goodness. stories on our list. Uh, we're, we've ranked them all from best to worst. If you're, if you're looking for something to read during the Rona times, uh, start at the top or bottom of this list and just go down it. See what happens. Sure. Absolutely. You'll find you'll find something to be interested in any chunk of this list. Just find a chunk and go for it. It's fun. Mm. Uh, but, you know, number one on this list, for example, is Dark Phoenix Saga. That's free on Marvel Unlimited over on that app. You can just go pick that up and read it. It's still good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, number 100 on this list is Captain America 367, the time that Magneto throw Red Scrawl into a hole. Still good. Still good. Uh, Number 200 is X-Men number 27, A Song of Mourning, A Cry of Joy. That's the one with Threnody uh, and Mr. Sinister. Oh, right. Yep. Uh, that one. Or that Legacy one's Virus ed- stuff. Yeah, Legacy Virus stuff. It's wild. Uh, number 300 <laughs> on our list is X-Men 157 to 160, Day of the Atom. Uh, that's the time when uh, Cerebro went wild and made its own X-Men. And then the bottom of our list is the Draco at 351. It's bad. Don't think about it. Someone tried to tell me that the Chuck Austin run was better than Hoxpox, and they're absolutely so wildly wrong that it's not even funny on any sort of level. Look, if you're listening, I appreciate you, but your opinions are bad and you should feel bad. We don't want to make anybody feel terrible, but that just is wrong. <laughs> um. <laughs> but Zach just definitely did. Uh uh, like this is this is right around that two hundred issue uh, for me. The uh, song of mourning, a cry for joy. Yeah, um, I like the art in this better than that particular issue. But it, we're in that like one ninety nine above uh, X Men twenty seven. We have Uncanny X Men three hundred. We're like same era of X Men, same I... quality of X Men. Um, this issue I don't think is really. All that exciting, though. Looking you know, down the- just a little bit, we have another Joe Mad story at 212, uh, Uncanny 341 to 344, mm-hmm. where Cannonball fights Gladiator at Christmas, and then there's some forgettable space stuff. Yeah, this uh, this is not as good as that. Below that, we have a uh, the Weapon X story we talked about recently, where Sabretooth uh, hangs out with Omega Red and they get a tiger. Yeah, I don't that think this better. is as good as that. Yeah. Is this, um, is this better or worse than that 
uh, A plus X story with Iron Fist and Dupe and Loki and Sinister. Mm, I think we're in the right realm. Um, you know, we're, we're around some Generation X stuff on the list. Uh, I think it's this better is... than A, A plus X number five. Okay. I don't think it's as good as uh, number 218. We have uh, the submergence of Japan from X-Men 118 to 119. Okay, 219 has that time the Generation X went to a magical fairy world in Cassidy Keep, and I kind of like that better. Yeah. All right, so maybe this is our new 220? Yeah, this is 220, Joe, man. Don't be mad. (laughs) Don't be mad. Look, he ain't going to be mad. He's going to be like, y'all... Are you kidding? Sephiroth's around now. I get it. I get to play with him again, and you know, stop his wild, crazy plots. Uh, and you know what? I got my I got my boy Cloud, and he's got a really big sword. Not many pockets, though, and not many pouches. Like another character on this list who does have sword. Um, ugh. how do we even introduce what we're about to talk about? Because I don't think we've ever done a solo story about this character on this list. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. Here's the thing, guys. I did a poll on Twitter that angered me so deeply and so profoundly (laughs) that it's not even funny. A bunch of people think that Deadpool is an X-Men character, and that's wrong, which is going to mean that I have to explain this bit. Oh, my God. I'm laying this Um, out. Deadpool, obviously, introduced in New Mutants 98, was a bit X-Force character. For a spell. Showed up in a few mm. issues. Then goes off and does his own solo stuff for a bit in the Circle Chase and then Deadpool Volume 2. Uh, two, two is, or two four-issue miniseries. Then gets into the Way run. Or not Way, excuse me. Who am I thinking? Joe Kelly. Mm-hmm. Gets into the Kelly run. And then he becomes his own thing in the same way that you wouldn't, you wouldn't dare call T'Challa the Black Panther. You wouldn't call him a Fantastic Four character. You'd call him a Black Panther character because he's the Black Panther. Deadpool's Deadpool now. He's moved past it. He's not an X-Man. He's not. However, this is a Joe Mad episode. And what we're about to talk about is about as natural a progression. If you were going to talk about uh, Deadpool as part of the X-Universe you probably want to talk about Joe Mad and Fabian Nicieza, friend of the show. Uh, the My circle personal chase. best friend, Fabian Nicieza. Yes. <laughs> the circle chase. The because circle chase. This stems, this stems like right out of what was going on during the Nicieza era of X-Force. So yeah. makes sense. Like if we're going to talk about a Deadpool story, we might as well talk about this one. And um, I had, I had read this back in the day and you were a circle chaser back in 93. I remember sort of just not really thinking very much of this. And now I'm going back and I got to say, I enjoyed this guys. This is Fabian Nicieza X-Force as hell. Absolutely. Like if you, all right. So I think there's sort of this uh, thing that if Joe Kelly, didn't get his hands on what Deadpool was that he wouldn't have turned into Deadpool. And like, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Like the building blocks of the sort of sarcastic wisecracking character 
weren't really there in his first couple of appearances that Liefeld was responsible for uh, shots they? fired. I mean, what's okay. that? They, I think I think the idea was there. It just wasn't fully no, I'm developed. Saying, no, I'm saying they weren't there. They weren't there. Uh, if you go back and you look at, at what those appearances were that Liefeld actually worked on the character with, there, there's nothing really establishing who the character is or, or what his whole deal is. This Hold miniseries... Can, can, I, can, I yeah. make, can I make an argument right here for Rob, guy I don't actually like? All right, go ahead. There is the foundation of a wisecracking, smartass, Spider-Man-like character in Deadpool's original appearances in New Mutants 98 and X-Force 2. What there isn't is this metatextual pop culture referencing guy that first Nicieza and then later Joe Kelly uh, build up. Right. Okay. I think that's, that, that's, the, that's, that's the fine line that gets changed. And yeah. I think it's an important line because that's why Deadpool's insufferable to me now. But... <laughs> I, I think what surprised me about this, though, was going back to it, like, he does feel like the character. Um, it's Deadpool. He doesn't feel like sort of a, a beta test version of it. And um, what I enjoyed about this was that, like I said, this is stemming almost directly out of the Nicieza stuff that he was doing with, with Cable, Blood and Metal, X-Force. And it, it features all of this supporting cast as part of this extraordinarily silly story um, that, that has to do with Tolliver's will. Um, hey. And there's also a really good Black Tom and Juggernaut thing in here, which is fantastic. Oh, Black Tom and Juggernaut love each other so much. It's so, so much. Juggernaut jumps Juggernaut? out of a moving plane for him. Like, it's in the sky, and Juggernaut's like, no, that's my best friend. I love you. I can't live without you. It's not going to be worth it to have all this money if you're not with me. It's great. Because the last time we saw them was after uh, they, well, they brought down one of the Twin Towers. Yeah, uh, man, rough chuckles this episode, guys. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. And so we we realize that Black Tom has been uh, brought back with uh, tree powers. Yeah, he's Plant Boy now. Yeah, Plant Boy. So what's the plot of this? I mean, it makes no sense. It's dumb. Tolliver, who, as we all know, is Scott Summers' grandson. <laughs> Tolliver. Tolliver is presumed dead. He's not. He'll get dead later. Uh. But Tolliver left a will that has a bajillion dollars, and all of these mercenaries want it. So Deadpool goes after it. Black Tom Cassidy goes after it. Slayback goes after it. Uh, Vanessa, a.k.a. Uh, Copycat, goes after it. Garrison Kane goes after it. Sluggo, who's not lit, goes after it. The executive elite, including Comcast, <laughs> go after it. It's Comcast. a whole thing. Uh, and it Comcast. turns out... Yeah, Comcast, they do. They know what they're doing here because Deadpool makes jokes about it. Oh, yeah. No, it's totally they named him just to make that joke about, like, the cable guy being late. Um, yeah, and if you didn't recognize... It's not money. It's, uh, yeah. it's, a, it's zero. You know zero? It's zero. Yeah, it's Stripes. Liberation Force. <laughs> you know, that guy that just has, like, a black zero on his white body? Like, that guy? Very good. I do like zero. Oh sure, Zero has some great, uh, great stories. But um, yeah, this is 
this has got such a range of characters in it. And if you didn't recognize some of those names, that's because that some of them are making their first appearance here. And, and some of them are um, making their last appearance here. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like, what's really funny about this is, like, when Kane shows up, I'm like... Garrison Kane. Like, I'm kind of excited to see the stupid character Kane, because all they do is make fun of him. Nisieza knows how to use Kane. The, the, Nisieza knows Garrison Kane sucks. Yeah. And... <laughs> In between this and his cable run, does so much where Garrison Kane is a character, but Garrison Kane is the dumbest guy that everyone makes fun of and thinks sucks so much. It's funny. It's good. Garrison Kane's a good character to have in a story. He's not a good character, but he's great to be around. Yeah. Yeah, and he's a lot of fun here and and gets teased quite a bit. Um, we also get introduced to uh, Weasel. I believe for the first time. Uh, um, is this Weasel's first appearance? I can't imagine it's not. Where else would he have appeared? I don't know. I'm going to check the Marvel Wikia right now. Weasel's yeah. first appearance was in Cable number three, actually. Oh, okay. Forget I said that. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. This is this is early Weasel. Yeah. Early, early uh, Weasel. Deep cut weasel. Um, we get to see Vanessa copycat as herself for the first time. She kind of has bl- light blue skin, red eyes. Um, you know, it, and this, unlike the story we just talked about, I feel like this this series lets Joe Mad do some much more Joe Mad stuff. Um, he oh, yeah. is really flexing and there's a, so many more fight scenes in this four issue mini that allow him to really just stretch his uh, sort of animated style out into some really, really fun, uh, fun effects. I think, I think Joe mad style works for me a lot better one in a little bit more reserved like he is in this. I mean, this is still a comic that comes out in 1993 and it feels like it. But you get to see some of the Joe Mad that a lot more people like shine through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then additionally, I think with a character like Deadpool, you can make a more cartoony story and a more cartoony art style work really well. And yes. that happens here. And that's mm-hmm. that's neat. It's neat. I mean, the story itself is rather dumb i think we yeah. mentioned that fabian love it you can keep a plot moving this is not a great one buddy well it's it's very nonsensical and you know like to get the actual will of tolliver involves like multiple cd-roms that appear in multiple characters briefcases you have to put them together to get the the final thing that leads you to the place where where zero is and even what zero is doing here doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense it doesn't um, especially no. yeah um but it is what it is and i i don't know i had a lot of fun reading this it it if you are a fan of the uh Nicias Capolo run of X-Force if you are a fan of like what he did with Cable um and Blood and Metal I think you should give this a shot it's fun it's worth reading this is when Deadpool was still an X-Men character so I feel no objection to ranking this on our big old master list not at all um so I don't really know what to compare this to I mean we have done a Cable and Deadpool story before 
Oh yeah, where is that? Uh, I feel like it's not super high. Let me it's not like look super here. high. Uh, it's at two thirty-two. We have Cable and Deadpool seven to ten. The Burnt Offering. I think this is a heck of a lot more fun than that. It is. Uh, how do you feel about it compared to New Mutants: Truth or Death? I mean, I would revisit this before that. I mean, I think that's just, fair. Yeah, Truth or Death is fine. Um, I didn't dislike it, but I'm. I don't know. I. I was surprised myself by how much I enjoyed this. Let me ask you this. How do yeah. you like it compared to X-Men Ghost Rider Brood Trouble in the Big Easy? I'm sorry. I don't Brood, think it's that good. Brood, Brood Trouble in the Big Easy. Right, Adam? <laughs> stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Come on, man. Never live that down. Uh, I don't think it's that good. I, I mean, I, I don't think it's as good as a 184. We have uh, the Todd McFarlane Spider-Man Wolverine crossover Perceptions. I don't think this is that good. Well, we have Cocaine down at 193. Um, I think this is better than that. It's a little more cohesive. I can't believe I just said that. It's not cohesive at all. Um, (laughs) It's fun. But I think think it's more fun than... Those are both fun, dumb stories. And I think this is a better fun, dumb story. I do, too. Um, I also think it's better than some other stuff that we have kind of in between here. Like, I don't this, I don't think it's as good as the original Gambit miniseries. No, But I do not. think it's better than that arc of X-Factor we just did where they keep killing Madrox. I think you're in the right territory. Yeah. Here's where I'm stuck at. At 198, you have the Neil Adams Savage Land arc. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm looking... I'm looking at a picture right now of original art of uh, Glob Herman getting taken away by Sauron, and I'm thinking how much I love Sauron's original appearance compared to this. <laughs> so that one's tough for All me. Right. Okay, so that's your ceiling? I think that's my ceiling. And the problem is right below it, you got Uncanny X-Men 391 Dad, which mm-hmm. is a Scott Lobdell feelings story. Sure. And then you got... X-Men 39, uh, where Adam X, the Extreme goes camping, which is a Feminicesa feeling story. I think this is better than both of those. Personally. I I would put this as our new 190. Okay, you heard it here, folks. Deadpool, better than Adam X, the Extreme. A controversial <laughs> statement, I know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm more surprised than anybody, honestly. Like I was not anticipating enjoying this as much as I did, but knowing that I like that era of Nicieza's stuff with this supporting cast, if if you've never checked it out cuz you're anti-Deadpool, I'm usually pretty anti-Deadpool. Check this out. Uh well, uh, the, we got the one The second mini's better by the way. The 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 second Deadpool miniseries uh Yeah. It's actually a lot better, and I like it more. I gotta uh, check we'll that to out that. now. Never it's, read it. it. Mark Mark Wade writes it. I forget who draws that one. It's pretty good, actually. Sirens in it. I think Banshee's in that one. Hmm. Uh, it's a. Is it weird? Okay, is it weird how much the Deadpool movies directly pull from the Circle Chase, like characters and concepts? They're like, oh yeah, no, oh. the Circle Chase. That's what right. Deadpool is. yeah well you know they went back to the the source material um all right where are we going next because this is uh, an interesting one it's much more contemporary joe mad this is this is joe mad needed some money and came back to comics for a fix 
and did a three-issue run on Savage Wolverine with Zeb Wells, a guy who wrote Hellions. And if you haven't read Hellions, go check it out. Uh, There's only one issue out, and since comics don't exist anymore, uh, it's pretty easy to get caught up. Uh. (laughs) Number one collector's item. Well, Savage Wolverine was designed specifically to be sort of an artist showcase. So each arc of it really doesn't have to fit into anything like continuity-wise or anything like that. Um, this one, first... this one specifically says, "Hey, this takes place before the books that came out in October. Don't worry about it." <laughs> right? Don't worry about it. So the first arc of Savage Wolverine uh, is a, a beautiful looking uh, Savage Land story by uh, Frank Cho, and um, you know, not everybody's favorite human. Look, um, the art's pretty in it. The art is the pretty. The art in it. is you can't gorgeous. Argue it. Um, so Zeb Wells and, uh, Joe Mad come along and tell a story that is more of an Electra story than anything else, right? What's kind of weird about this is Savage Wolverine was such an artist showcase that they in fact had the artist write every issue of the rest of the series, except for this arc, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think this is the only one because Jock, Jock does, does arc, the next one. Um, yeah. Richard Eisenhoff does the, does the, the one. Ones. Richard Eisenhoff does one uh, that's really good. Uh, who else does some? Uh, Frank Chow. Uh, you know, I guess Frank Thierry scripts over Felix Ruiz. Uh, so not perfectly, but, you know, it was intended to be a artist showcase. And, in fact, they tried to do the same thing with Savage Hulk uh, mm-hmm. at, around the same time. I know there was an Alan Davis thing that was going on. A few other guys that was really interesting. Uh, not as... This is more interesting in concept than it is in execution, which I think is important. Well, it looks really good. Um, Joe Mad has evolved as an artist since the Circle Chase, let's say. I mean, the amount of detail, um, the 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 physical aggression that he's able to throw into these scenes is. I think it's fantastic. I mean, the story here is very light. Um, the idea is that Electra has come back from the dead. Um, there is an ongoing story about who controls the hand. Um, and there are these villains known as the arbiters who are kind of judging you know, who, who gets, who gets to be in charge. Um, and they're kind of like these Guillermo del Toro type creations, which is interesting. Kind of. I, I I think there are less Guillermo del Toro creations. More anime. And more that I think it's I think it's more that Guillermo and Joe Mad draw from the same uh, Japanese influences. Yeah. On a lot of these, so you got uh, Kinji the Faceless, Mikaru the Blind, and Shikaru the Mute. Yeah, Shikaru the, the Mute is kind of like uh, he's got finger bones as a face mask. Um, there's like. <laughs> The, the the faceless one is um, has a little geisha mask, and then the blind one has like the hands over the eyes, the the skeleton fingers over the eyes. Uh, so anyway, I mean, it's much more like Wolverine's just tagging along with Elektra. Kingpin is being haunted by Vanessa. Um, yeah, they think has... they think Bullseye's back, and Bullseye's not actually back. Uh, the hand right. resurrected the Kingpin's wife, Vanessa. 
so mm-hmm. that she would try and murder him, and then Kingpin would have to murder his wife so that they could prove that he would be a heartless enough leader of the hand. Which is all really specific, nope. and then he becomes mayor of New York a few years later, so wild that that's how <laughs> the Marvel Universe works. He could literally kill somebody on Fifth Street, and no one would bat an eye. Huh. Uh, yeah. The artwork here is incredible. I, I really love the detail that uh, that Matt is bringing here um, I like to every the single page. I What I don't love is the coloring on this i think it's, it's a very little dark. muddy in a little yeah. Dark. yeah like i because jomad's style especially at this point has gotten a lot inkier in a lot mm-hmm. more like fluid with the inks in that like it it almost feels like like a japanese style like ink brush painting like almost like the same style that you get with like the game okami if you've ever played that which was very much love about okami flowy lines and all this stuff mm-hmm you get a lot of that in there, which means heavy blacks and heavy lines, which is great, except for the darkness in the rest of the coloring blends in with that, which makes it a muddled scene to be looking at. I'd love to see I'd love to see just the inks on this. Like I think that would be fantastic. I think the colors really take away from the actual art on this. Hmm. I think that's fair. I mean, uh, uh great deal of the book is told at night it's told in sort of dark underground caverns and um you know you can see the colorist doing you know I who, who does the colors on this it's, it uh, is peter Sigerwald. okay okay i mean i don't think it's colored poorly i just think it is I'm, I'm gonna agree with you that it is a dark like a darker book than it necessarily needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it could be brighter to, to really sh- make the artwork shine. Um, but if you are a fan of Joe mad, I mean, you gotta check these issues out. It's just three. Um, and it's even if you're like a, a daredevil fan, Electra fan, like this is just Wolverine tagging along and just fighting some, some weird random bad guys. It's, it's fun. It's like, real talk. It, Real talk, I think the best part of this story is the uh, is the bookends with Wolverine and Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a couple of little. They're, they're both on the Avengers at this point, and uh, the new Avengers. Yeah, they they kind of make it look uh, like it's not going so well, which is great. But I I love when Spider Man and um, and Logan interact in, in fun and silly ways. Zeb Wells wrote a lot of Spider Man, and he was pretty good at it, and it shows here. Like, oh yeah, he gets he more- gets it. Here's what this didn't make me want to do. This didn't make me want to go and look at Joe Mad's next published comic work, which was the first three issues of Inhuman. Hmm. It did make me want to go check out the uh, Zeb Wells stuff on Spider-Man. Yeah, I I mean, I'll look at Joe Mad's stuff wherever he goes. I, I think it's really interesting. Okay, um, wait, you're going you're gonna to look at the stuff with Lash? You know, character from Marvel's The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Lash in Inhuman? And the character Dante, codenamed Inferno, who has fire powers? No, probably not. But, (laughs) you know, I would would look at it. I I just... um, I think it's much more fun having him draw these characters. He's probably having more fun drawing these characters, too. He probably was. The Inhuman thing was just a giant friggin' wreck. 
Mm. Uh, just not even talking about the X-Men side of things on that. Just the way that the Inhumans books were rolled out. Uh, friggin' Matt Fraction made some dick jokes that got him banned from iTunes. And then he said, wait, I'm getting a lot of good press. I don't need this. And anyway, you guys just fired me from this book. So... <laughs> All right, we have ranked Savage Wolverine before on our list. Down at 247, we have uh, the Come Conquer the Beasts arc, 12 and 13, uh, which was sort of an animal rights story about poaching. I think this is better. I think this is better than that. I think this is right about on par with that. Yeah. I think it's right there. I mean, right above it is X Campus. This is better than X Campus, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't think I can put it above Extinction Agenda at 245, though. I mean, those at the very least have the, some of the most amazing Jim Lee pages, despite all of its, uh, you know, its weaknesses. All, all the all the also bad that's in there. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of bad in Extinction Agenda, for sure. Extinction Agenda is just a slog. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, 246, that's the right spot for it. It's- Perfect. I love it. All right, so we've been on a journey with Joe Mad, and uh, that was pretty fun. That was fun. Joe Mad's an interesting guy. I will, I will check out the stuff that he does because I'm interested in it. I don't know if it's going to be good, but Joe Mad's an interesting character, and I really hope that he does enjoy getting to hang back out with Barrett and Aerith, and you know all of his good friends like Tifa and Biggs. And just all all those Final Fantasy guys, as they as they just go up against that Shinra Corporation, and they're like, "Hey, Reno and Rude, you guys suck, double birds." And for the record, I mean, if if Joe Mad wants to take a break from a Twitch stream to kind of like just come on and talk for a couple minutes, we'd love to. Uh, Joe Mad, I will both guy. I will let Adam talk to you about art, and then I will make fun of Final Fantasy VII, a game that I do have <laughs> on my Nintendo Switch. That's because great. I That's I great. do I do enjoy it. That's why I know. That's why I know who some of those guys are. Still, never beaten it. Have gotten it, to the point where spoiler alert for this game. Apparently, I don't want to. Adam, do you know the thing that happens in Final Fantasy VII that's considered a spoiler? Look, I don't care. That's I mean, probably just... fair. The game's very old. Spoiler alert for this old new game. Aerith will die. She's gonna get stabbed through the gullet, and you're gonna get very sad about that. And Sethroth's gonna use his real big sword and be like, "Boop, you dead." Uh, but there's nothing you can do about it. In Joe Mad, you get to relive that trauma again. And I really hope it goes well for you. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Jeez. Final Fantasy VII's bad, and I love it. I don't know. It's one of the most, like, classic video games of all time. So, obviously, people like it. People argue if it's even the most classic of Final Fantasy games. It's definitely the most popular. And Cloud is a Final Fantasy character who is in Smash Bros. And I do enjoy playing as him because he goes like, And then he talks in Japanese because they did not want to pay for an English voice actor. I assume there's some rights issues with it that Sakurai did not want to deal with. See? Super Smash is pro... Pro subtitles, you know, I appreciate that. That's good. No, because they got rid of them for Marth and Roy. They got (laughs) rid of them for my Fire Emblem boys that I've been playing as since 2001. All right, forget I said that. Yeah, Uh, you should forget you said it. Nita, Nita, that's what that's so, Zach. If somebody had like a really great idea for what we should do for an episode, what should they do? 
They should go over to patreon.com slash files. Search for that Battle of the Atom, uh, boys. We're right there. At the $2 a month level, you get an episode. We'll do one. It's for you, just like Chris did, just like some of our other supporters. Uh, like, let's just look at this list right now. Hyper Viper 89 has some. John Wickman, he's a good guy. Soul Reaver Dan, fabulous. Near, you know, you're great. Uh, Eric Cotton. He's back, and he's he's on top of things. Those are some of the great people that support us on Patreon, and if you want to be like them, go over to that website. If Guys, here's, here's the truth. Right now, uh, there is legitimately a lot of terrible stuff going on, and some of us are coping by drinking and talking about X-Men, uh, and some of us just don't have the funds to get through it because like unemployment's crazy, and you can't leave your house, and it sucks. So don't actually feel any pressure uh, to support us. We're always here, uh, and mm-hmm. in fact, right now we are we are working with some people right now to see how our Patreon support can best help the people in our comics community that have been uh, most directly impacted by this. I don't want to throw out too many details because it's still a work in process, uh, but I will say at least two months of our Patreon support will be going directly to uh, people in the comics community who have been just hit hard. Uh, by some of the stuff that's been going on with the uh, coronavirus crisis. Uh, and I only say that to to ask you to think about if there's anything that if you're able to that you can do to help out people. Uh, and as we get some more details on that, we're definitely going to present that on the show because we've got a killer community here. Like I am constantly just overwhelmed by how cool it is that we have a bunch of people that listen to this show and then are just also friends and cool and chill on the internet in a great place to be. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So if there's anything you can do to help, you know, let's let's think on that right now. Yes. Uh, and if you can't, you know what? We're all in this together. Don't don't sweat it. You've got to take mm-hmm. care of you. Absolutely. So uh, that's where we're at right now. You get other fun rewards if you give more money. That feels inappropriate to say at this point. That feels Does it? that feels weird. I don't know. Maybe if you no. if you all want to support more, you get more things like early episodes. Uh, you get to choose help choose some of the uh, B and C stories that fill out the rest of our episodes. It's a whole thing. Uh, you can also check out all the cool writing when comics exist again on XavierFiles.com. Uh, I've we turned it into an Animal Crossing website for a little bit. I don't know if anything's going up this week. Uh, <laughs> it's wild. Uh, but also, Xavier Files on Twitter at Xavier Files. It's a, it's a place with things. Adam, please save me from this. No, you're doing a great job. Uh, guys I don't like being us. sincere. <laughs> I don't know how we haven't picked up on this. I like being the goofball. You can be the, like good dad adult in this situation i want to be the ice man running around making jokes well next time i'll 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 take the sincere uh, route for the conclusion of the show guys you can always yeah, follow right. me at arthur stacy um i do have a short piece going up for uh, wmq comics uh is doing their coronavirus advent calendar um, which means that they're doing a month of uh, of comics articles, and I did one. Um, so if you want to check that out, you can go to wmqcomics.com, and I'm sure I'm there somewhere. I don't know what day it's coming out. So that that's what's going on with me, and what are we doing next week, Zach? 
Next week, we're going to talk about, uh, you know him, you love him. His name's Franklin Richards. Aww. Uh, he's, he's a little moppet, uh, tangentially related to the X-Men, more related to the Fantastic Four, you know, his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just mm-hmm. kidding. When 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 he wants to go to Krakoa, his family will be waiting for him. Uh, <laughs> booyah. But uh, until then, guys, this has been Bal the Atom, and we hope you survived the experience. Get it!